Well, today is the day that we're going to start. We've been talking in the past about getting into spiritual gifts and teachings on spiritual gifts. And so today is kind of the, the kickoff and introduction to our months of Holy Spirit, teaching on Holy Spirit and the things that Holy Spirit does. Um, and so today I'm just going to start off by going through kind of where we want to go as a leadership team, where we feel Holy Spirit is leading us, um, and just kind of start setting up a framework so that we have a foundation uh, as we get into spiritual gifts. Um, like I said, we've just been thinking about it for a while now. We feel like the time is ready. We think that we've done a lot of good foundational work over the last couple of years um, with the biblical story and what's in the Bible and how to approach the Bible. Um, we think that in order to go into what we want to go into, we need to make sure that we're kind of all on the same ground. And the reason I think that that's important, especially with our body, is that we have people sitting in the church here with so many different backgrounds. We're not, we're not all from the same tradition in any way whatsoever. I mean, we've got Catholics, we've got some Pentecostal upbringings, we have Charismatics, we have some of the, what you would just consider American Evangelical. And, and everybody, when they come, when you start talking about spiritual gifts, everybody's bringing in their own baggage from whatever background that they're coming from. And, you know, they're coming in with, with their experiences, they're coming in with their traditions, uh, what the culture of the church life was or is. Um, some people just have their own gut reactions to certain things and how things may look or may feel. And then there's just good theology and bad theology that we can, we can drum up as we talk about Holy Spirit and his gifts. Um, so what we want to do is we don't want to get super opinionated. We just kind of want to put a biblical grounding for beliefs and practices. Um, so so kind of what we're going to be covering over the next couple months. Um, and part of this is, is what we'll get through today. Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? His personhood, the roles of the Holy Spirit, and uh, just a, re, a relook at the basis of Trinitarian thought with him. And, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time there because I feel like we've done that in the last couple of years. Uh, where do we see him in the Bible? This is really where I'm going to start today. I'm going to do my best to show you that the workings of Holy Spirit is consistent through the entire Bible. And sometimes preconceived thoughts, we feel like Holy Spirit's doing different things at different times. But what I want to show you is that he's, he's fairly consistent in what he does all the way through. Um, what was the spiritual worldview and how did, how did Holy Spirit fit into that spiritual worldview? Um, and this is important because we all come, we're coming at this from a Western mindset. And our Western mindset, because Holy Spirit is spirit, because we don't feel like, you know, we think about Jesus, we think about physical Jesus, being here doing physical things on the earth. And sometimes that jives with our Western thought. We're like, okay, I can get in with this. I understand physical Jesus doing physical things. Um, so we're just going to talk about the spiritual worldview back then how Holy Spirit fits into that spiritual worldview, how he's different than everything else that's going around in the spiritual worldview. Um, that's coming along. Then we're going to look at church history. And the reason we're going to look at church history is, again, coming in from, from different backgrounds, 
there's a whole spectrum in church life between what people call cessationism, which is that the Holy Spirit no longer gives out gifts anymore, that that was, that was for a period of time. And then there's people on the other side who are continuationists who believe that the Holy Spirit is still giving out spiritual gifts. Everybody has giftings within them. There's a spectrum. It's not just polar opposites. I just want to say that because what, what people think sometimes is you're either or, and there's actually some, some mud in the middle there where some people might say, well, I'm a, I'm a cautious continuationist or I'm a cautious cessationist, you know, whatever they want to put terms on that. So we're going to look at that because I think church history, church history is important. We don't talk about church history a lot. We sometimes get attitudes about traditions, and I don't really want to get into traditions. I just want to get into um, how do things look, especially that first 500 years after Christ has ascended, and, and how do things look before things get super Catholic. Um, what does having him in your life look like? That's an important part. Even before we get into gifting, um, if Holy Spirit is in you, which we believe that when you are saved, Holy Spirit is in you, uh, fruit of the Spirit, your life is going to change. There's going to be evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Like, before we get into gifting, we need to look at you as a person, and we need to look at ourselves and just say, hey, What's going on? Do I have the fruit of the Spirit? Before I can think about delving into prophecy, what's, what's going on with me? Am, am I a change to my new creation? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Is this microphone wearing out, Jonathan? I feel like it got quieter. All right. Uh, and then finally, we're going to look at what gifts he brings. And then we'll, we'll, we'll look at more of the spiritual gift aspects of that. So that's kind of what's going down for a while. Um, again, we feel like there's been a good base laid before this. Uh, this is important because you need to know what you have in you. Holy Spirit is in you. He is a helper at all times. You have access to awesome things that he does. And sometimes we don't think about the fact that God is dwelling within us. And we, we are hosting him in us as a choice. Um, you need to be able to parse what you experience. There's a lot of wacky stuff out there within the church and outside of the church. There's just wacky stuff. You need to have an idea, biblical idea of how this stuff is, how it works. Um, and then the spiritual world exists. Sometimes we don't necessarily think in spiritual world terms. And discernment is the key, especially in these times uh, the spiritual world is talked about often. Spiritualism I'm a spiritual person. We hear that a lot now. Most people are spiritual people, whether they have a theology behind it or an understanding of it, or whether they're just jumping on with some guru dude or woman. Uh, so we got to look at new age. We got to look at syncretism a little bit. And that's the mixing of Christianity with other stuff. Like I was reading an article about Christian tarot cards and and things like that. There's this mixing. There's just bad theology. And then some people are hearing voices, but they're not necessarily Holy Spirit. And so that's why it's important living in a spiritual world. Um, and again, he's in you. He's bringing you power. 
Evangelism is much easier when the Holy Spirit is driving evangelism. You can get very tired and very frustrated evangelizing if you're not utilizing he who is in you. So those are kind of the reasons. That's the overview. That's where we're going today. What I'm hoping to get through today, um, what is Holy Spirit doing in the story of the Bible? What are different roles that he plays? And how are different ages different in regards to, to what he's doing? Is there a different Difference between the general things of what he's doing between the ages. So that's where we're going today. So I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you. I'm going to try to get through this and hopefully get through the Bible, basically. We're going to try to get to, to the point where we get to Acts and kind of drop off where we get to Acts, and we'll resume that next week. First thing we need to get out of the way, the Holy Spirit is a person. He, personality, It is not a magical force or power. He is not an angel. Uh, He does not possess you. And the reason I bring these things up is because different, different religions believe differently on these. In some Christian sects and cults, sometimes believe differently on this. So, for example, if you talk to a Jehovah Witness... They believe that Holy Spirit is a force or power. There's no personhood there. So Holy Spirit is, is force or power. We see this picked up. Like people, a lot of people will, they'll just bring in their, their stuff with them. But people think like Star Wars and the force. You're tapping into the force. You're tapping into the Holy Spirit and you're doing these amazing things. Um, it's a he. He. Um, Muslims, for example, believe that the Holy Spirit is the, the angel Gabriel. And they've got some thinking on that. So when they think of Holy Spirit, they're thinking as an angelic being. Um, there are other Christian their denominations, but they, they believe differently too. Um, he does not possess you. You willingly host the Holy Spirit. And we've got to be careful because I, I grew up some of the, within some of what I would call charismania, which is the crazy charismatic Pentecostal stuff that can happen. And there are people that say things like, I'm up there, I'm up there prophesying and I just have to get this out because the Holy Spirit's forcing me to get it out and he's forcing me to talk. I have to do this. No, 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 no. You, you choose, you make choices to align with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't force you. You know, there's no instances in the Bible where the Holy Spirit comes on someone in an unwilling matter and, and then things happen. Um, so we have to make sure when we think about Holy Spirit, don't refer to him in an inanimate power or energy way. It's a very, New Agers will say, well, the Holy Spirit's just, it's a higher energy that you tap into and things like that to, to mix everything together. So check your mind. See if you've been shaded from anything in your past. Um, in other religions, there's, there's just a bunch of stuff out there. And we just want Holy Spirit and who he is. And so we just need to divide and let things scatter and fall apart so that we can get to the, to the basis of what, of what the Bible says he is and does. So we get Holy Spirit right away in Genesis 1. There's no escaping... Um, 
You don't escape. It's, it's not like it's a, it's a concept that's brought forth later. He is in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right away in those first verses, or I would consider the first verse, because I kind of think that Genesis 1-1 is like a statement of what we're talking about. Um, Spirit of God is hovering. He's over the void. He's over the face of the deep. Uh, you can translate it the, wa- the wasteland, the, uh, the chaos. He's there. And so what we have is we have Holy Spirit there ready to go. So, and uh, we'll see in a couple, we'll see the next slide too. There's reference to this later in Job, the idea of the Holy Spirit bringing order to there. And he's ready to perform creation. The Trinity is there creating. Um, and then we get to, we get to humanity and the Lord formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and the man became a living creature. So the fun thing about the Hebrew word, um, for breath and spirit in wind is Ruach and they use it interchangeably. It has to do with a lot of times it's, it's out of the nostrils of God and into our nostrils we take in the life. That's the, whole, uh, that's the whole basis of it. So sometimes you'll see you'll see places that your Bible will go interchangeably between wind and Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just a play on word because it's, it's a double or triple entendre there and you, you, get, you get the full meaning. Um, so you can see he's involved in the creation process. He's definitely involved with the creation of man. He is a creator. There is, there is a creative nature to Holy Spirit that has always existed, and we'll talk more about that. Psalm 104.29, when you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. So even then, there's that... Uh, in the, in the life of the Hebrews at this point, they recognize the creative, the creative powers of Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit, this is important because we, we catch this later. People talk about when the Holy Spirit's in the room, I just feel peace. Yes, that's biblical. We, we do do that. And uh, Job, is, Job is doing a, a play on the creation narrative while always also establishing that the Holy Spirit is bringing peace. Um, by his power, he stilled the seas. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. And this is talking about the power of God. Um, this is part of the conversation. By his wind or his spirit, the heavens were made, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Uh, Rahab is the primeval ser- serpent in beliefs of the ancient Near East. It is this giant creature, whether you believe it's a spiritual creature, it was a physical creature. The idea is this creature existed in that chaos void before the earth began. Um, they, they have names for it in Egyptian and Sumerian, and it's used in conjunction with the Leviathan creature that's, that's talked about. But it's a proud one, and it's a thing of disorder. And what, what Job is saying is, Holy Spirit shatters the disorder, shatters the chaos, and he's bringing that peace. Um, and then, you know, the idea of Holy Spirit bringing order and creating through water, you, you get it later, too. Um, 
God made the wind blow over the earth with the flood story and the water subsided. This idea of, of, of Holy Spirit over the waters again. You get the same thing with the wind of God that comes and goes over the water of the Red Sea so that God's people can pass. There's all these, these the wind of God, the breath of God, creating, hovering over waters. It's that type of thing. It's a whole theme through. And you'll, you'll eventually get it, you know, Jesus is getting baptized in the Jordan River. And again, Holy Spirit comes down over the waters. And it's this, this whole theme that the Bible keeps bringing back up. But it's this theme of, of creation and bringing order. Um, then just bringing new life in general, the creative nature of Holy Spirit. We see in, in Isaiah 32, 14, for the palace is forsaken. This is just a, a prophecy that's going on. Things are bad. Until the Holy Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and then the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. And justice will dwell in the wilderness, and the righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. So it's this whole idea again, things are bad, things are rough, but when the Holy Spirit is poured upon us from on high, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. Peace is brought in. Better living. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit's role in helping us live better lives. Um, There's an idea that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. You can find that throughout the Bible. You find it you find it back in Genesis. And we'll talk about Genesis 6-3 here without getting too much into Genesis 6. Uh, then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide and strive with man that is conflict with man, for he is flesh, his day shall be 120 years. It's a weird verse, but it's, it's, it's another mention of Holy Spirit just outside of the creation story. And the idea is that we get to Genesis 6, the world has gone nuts for various reasons, sin abounds, and the Holy Spirit is there striving and contending with men. I believe that has everything to do with convicting men of the sin and trying to lead people. Um, and it's, but it's shot. It's just it's, the depravity reigns. And so that's a really early mention of the Holy Spirit convicting of sin and striving with people concerning thoughts. Uh, and then again, we get it in the, the New Testament. This is Jesus talking about when Holy Spirit comes. Um, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It's fun because those words are the same words that Isaiah is using previously. This idea of Holy Spirit coming down. Judgment will be had. Things will be, will be fair. Righteousness. Uh, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So again, we just, that's more. It's like he's, what he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's taken right out of Isaiah. So we can, see, we can see all these hyperlinks between Old Testament and New Testament thought in the role of Holy Spirit. He's empowering individuals all the way through the Old Testament. And a lot of times when people think about the Old Testament, they think about Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, they think about these passages of Holy Spirit. They think about Holy Spirit coming upon like, like Joshua. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. And then Joshua 
then goes out and they, you know, they cross the Jordan and Joshua is the one that leads them over the, the Jordan as things dry up. And it's, we, we get this idea of Joshua is coming empowered now the same way that Moses was empowered. It's this empowering power of the Holy Spirit, of him dwelling within. And then in Judges 3, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, Othniel, and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord, developed, Lord delivered Kushan Rishayim, king of Mesopotamia, to his hand. And his hand prevailed against Kushan Rishathim. And so that thing, the Spirit of the Lord came upon, he was empowered, he judged Israel, he did a good job of what he was supposed to do. It was that idea in the Old Testament. Judges 6.34, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him. So again, just more empowering, the thought of being empowered by Holy Spirit. And we don't get too farther, too much further in Judges uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, Samson, at Mahanadan between Zorah and Ishtal. And the Spirit of the Lord again came upon him later, and he tore the lion apart with the strength, you know, bare hands tearing the lion apart. And he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So this whole idea of empowerment, different types of empowerment. Some seems to be like a spiritual empowerment. We get Samson's getting physically empowered. It could be both, but there's this empowerment, this, this miraculous nature that he does when he's within. And then we're going to see here, uh, with, this is talking about Saul, and Saul in the beginning stages. Um, so this is this empowering individuals to lead, which is important too. That happens throughout the Bible. It's not just one-off adventures of Holy Spirit power. It's Holy Spirit dwelling within to promote good leadership, First um, Samuel ten nine. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. Talking about Saul, and all those signs came to pass that day when they came there to the hill. There was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied amongst them. So he that indwelling to lead to be the chosen man for for the Hebrews of the time, and then later he does things. Which, which grieve the Holy Spirit and grieve God, and the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And that's a whole rabbit trail we could go down later, but that's not where we're at today. And then in Zechariah 4, and this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Just another verse that reaffirms in the Old Testament. This is not exhaustive. This stuff is all the way through the Old, the Old Testament. I'm just picking things out to show good examples of it. This is by no means an exhaustive, this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is just saying, these are trends and things that we can see. The Holy Spirit has always been a teacher. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. And in the context of that, he's talking about the spirit leading him. Um, Nehemiah 9.20, you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst and talking about Moses' leadership in the, the things that came with it. So there's that, that teacher, that ability to teach when you're with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. He helped David rule. Second Samuel 23.2, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me. 
and his word was on my tongue. And the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after rain. The idea of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, leading him, guiding him. We also see direct Holy Spirit indwelling also with prophecy in the Old Testament. So Ezekiel, and he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. And then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. So he's entering in. Ezekiel will prophesy. And when Ezekiel is prophesying, in this context, again, the Holy Spirit is striving with the hearts of the Hebrews to bring them back into the line and into the will of God, to, to go away from the sin. The other fun thing in the Old, in the Old Testament Holy Spirit does is he oftentimes will, will prophesy about the coming Messiah. And um, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And there's different, there's different prophecies throughout the Bible. Again, there's so many different like hyperlinks, if you will, between prophecies in the Old Testament with Jesus in the New Testament. Um, there's also, and this is important in the context of what we're going to be getting into, there's also context in the Old Testament for what will happen in Acts 2, um, with the Holy Spirit being for all. Um, this is one of them. And therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. And when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So here's the idea of people being gathered back to Israel. Holy Spirit being poured out on this group of people who will then be able to do that. You can have different interpretations on when this prophecy occurred. But it's also one of those things that maybe it's a repetitive occurrence. Um, and then the one everybody talks about is the one that they quote in Acts 2. And that's from Joel. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. The important thing about this is before the, 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 the previous thing that I talked about before, he's distinctly talking about Hebrews people of Israel. Whereas in this one, he's all flesh is referring to the nations. So there is this precedent in the Old Testament 
that everyone's going to have access and have Holy Spirit. So Old Testament role recap. Again, it's not exhaustive. We see him as creator, bringer of peace and order. He combated against depravity. He is an empowered helper with miraculous things. He was a teacher, a counselor, helped those to prophesy. He pointed people to the coming Messiah and was promised to be an even more people. All right, New Testament. This will go quick. Luke 1. So we're just going to look at specific instances right away in the beginning where we see that the Old Testament, even though there's a 500-year gap between Old Testament and New Testament, we're going we're to go right to Luke 1. We're going to go right to the beginning of the story, even pre-Christmas story. And we're going to see same stuff is still going on. Same Holy Spirit doing the same thing as he does. Luke 1. For he will be great before the Lord. This is talking about John the Baptist. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord of their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So he's talking about the infilling of John the Baptist, even in his mother's womb. And what is John the Baptist going to do? He's going to point people He's getting ready to point people to Christ. So it's that prophecy of the Messiah, pointing people to the Messiah. He's helping them with the sin and the turning away from God. He's doing the same stuff he's always done. And then we see that Elizabeth, in an instant, gets filled and praises and begins to prophesy with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We see that Zechariah, her husband, does the same. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to prophesy. So this is all pre-Acts 2. Still in continuation. Um, But he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps with the conception of the baby. The Holy Spirit is acting as creator once again. There is that creative nature of Holy Spirit. Um. And then we see Holy Spirit's operation with Jesus. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is, we're jumping a little bit here, not too far though. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus returned, this is after the wilderness, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding countries, and he taught in their synagogues, being gloried by all, being glorified by all. So again, the Holy Spirit is on him. He's doing those things, the same things that they were doing in the Old Testament. Um, it's fun that when, when he's full of the Holy Spirit, that's when he's led into testing too. That was like the initial thing. He's filled with the Holy Spirit from, from the baptism in the river. And he just immediately goes and the Spirit leads him into a trial. Um, and then we see all the healings and deliverances and people coming up against Jesus. You're doing these because Satan is in you and you're doing this by the power of Satan. And Jesus just replies, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
and so he's linking he's linking the spirit of God and the this coming kingdom of God. Um, we also have to understand that the Holy Spirit was very part of the death and resurrection of Christ. And that's important because that's kind of how, how he deals with us. Um, in Hebrews 8.14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Romans 8, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, again talking about that resurrection creative power of Holy Spirit, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And then first Peter, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. So it's that creative nature again, that same stuff. So now if we look at a list of different things we've seen in the New Testament, and again, this is not exhaustive, we see Holy Spirit as creator, combating against depravity and sin, an empowered helper to do miraculous things. As a teacher, as a counselor, he helped those to prophesy, pointed people to the Messiah, was promised to be an even more people. Jesus said it. So what we see here is that's the same list that's from the Old Testament. It's the same stuff that's going on in the Old Testament, same stuff that's going on in the New Testament. And uh, that's where I'm going to end today because I don't want to get into Acts 2 yet once you get into Acts 2, because you have homework. Your homework is, over the next week, try to read a chapter of Acts a day. So get through like seven or eight. Seven or eight will get you to about Paul. So read Acts. If you want to read chapter one, I'd recommend reading chapter one. It's good to start with chapter one. But if you think it's boring, and that's all, whatever, start with two and go forward. So read Acts. Read Acts. And the reason I'm saying read Acts, read Acts through the lens of what we just discussed and see if it's the same. How is it the same? How is it different? See what you come up with. Give it a whirl. Um, We have new creation through Jesus' death and resurrection. Old Testament through the Gospels, we're telling us the same thing about Holy Spirit. It's a very consistent teaching of what Holy Spirit does throughout the entire thing. We haven't gotten into the church age yet, starting in Acts 2. It seems to be before this that Holy Spirit was a little more selective. Um, and what happens next? Like I said, do your homework, please. Read those things. Read your Bible. Uh, try to do a chapter a day. I think that that's very doable. So... So hopefully you can see what we've started with here is, and if you have opinions about spiritual gifts and different things, you can kind of see what we're building up to. We're seeing that that things are consistent. The Bible is coherent all the way through. Things might look slightly different, but at the core of all these things, Holy Spirit is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be the same tomorrow. And uh, our Bible points that out. It's just like all the other aspects of God. Um, so far, I don't think there's anything controversial about Holy Spirit. So, so do your homework, read your chapters, and uh, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are consistent throughout all of it. That you uh, 
you're not hiding anything from us, that you're not, you're not being mysterious like that, but Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Holy Spirit, we thank you for all of the cool things that you do. We thank you and appreciate you. Realize that you're wonderful and that you've always dwelt with man. And I am blown away by the fact that you dwell within each of us who believe in Jesus. And I just ask that, that we, would, we would see you as our helper, see you as our friend, and that we would submit to things when you tell us, whether it's things about ourselves or things about people we're interacting with or things that we're supposed to do. Lord, that we would, we would submit to you and that we would recognize you as teacher, as counselor, and that you are our helper, that you will empower us. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. I just ask that we would give you more thought throughout this week and as we read our Bible. And uh, we just value your time as teacher. So Lord, we love you. We just ask that you'd be with us throughout this week. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen.